join. Game on, everybody. It's the throwback. Jake Seeley, Brad Ziegler with you. As always, you can follow Brad at Brad Ziegler. Real easy. I'm at All In Kid. You guys probably know that. But head over to The Athletic. It's launch week. Yes, Monday, the Fantasy Football 2020 Draft Kit. It is out. It is full of my rankings and projections, which you can complain about. And everybody hates DJ Moore. Well, hates that I hate DJ Moore, apparently. Uh, but get over there. Sleepers, do not draft list, dynasty. Like, there's just a ton. And there's a ton still more coming. We got you covered. And you can always throw in some ideas on the main page. If you have anything that you want to see, tell Nando and complain to him for once, not to me. But Brad, uh, some, a lot of news to talk about. Before we do that, I don't want to spend too much time on the rankings because we have the entire month of July and August to go through that. But is there one that stands out for you? Because the biggest pushback I've been getting so far is obviously Deji Moore. We kind of touched on it last week. Continue to say that don't get too hung up in wide receiver 25 versus wide receiver 15 because one touchdown can make a difference on 15 to 20 spots at wide receiver. That's how thin it is. But is there somebody where you look and you're saying, you know what? that surprises me or I think you're too off on this one or too off on that one. Is there just a feeling that you get where you're strong or weak on somebody that you're, you're differing from me? So the, the biggest one for me would probably be Jonathan Taylor. Um, and, and it's not, I love Jonathan Taylor. I, I just don't know if I trust any rookies in, in 2020, because I don't like that they don't have the rookie mini camp. Um, I don't like that they they are doing all this stuff virtually, and these guys are coming out of college, still haven't gotten to see how fast the NFL really is yet, and they're getting such a late start. I think it's just going to be a huge adjustment period for all of them, and in a, in a seasonal league, that's where that's where I'm struggling. And it's not not just Taylor, but it's it's anybody. I'm going to have rookies when my rankings come out. My rookies are going to be so much lower than everybody else's, um, you know, as a whole at least. Uh, even Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, I mean, I. I like I actually really like Damian Williams this year, especially when you can get him in the seventh, eighth round like he's going right now. I, I think he's gonna be the starter for more than half the year. And and granted, I think as the season goes along, especially in the second half, some of these rookies will start having an impact. Um, but I I don't think you can start like I don't want to have to take Edwards Alaire in the what the third round or whatever he is right now, because he will not be a starter for me week one if he's on my roster. And I don't want to have to take a guy that high that's not gonna be in my lineup. Is that opinion of yours going to change if in a month from now things are on track as normal, like they're actually at training camp, things are going as would a typical offseason go? Uh, I mean, potentially, but I'm going to have to see a lot in a, out of a guy in, in training camp or in the preseason to make me think he's definitely ready to contribute from week one because I, I just think there's a, you know you can do all you want in a classroom-type setting like they're doing on Zoom meetings and stuff, and it is just completely different when you get out on the field. And I, I just am nervous that these guys are – it's going to take a little bit for them to see – kind of see the field and see how things develop and the speed at which they develop and the speed at which the defense is trying to counteract it. I, I just – I don't know. I Week one, I'm definitely not – I will have no rookies in my lineup week one no matter what lineup it is it's just not happening i'm gonna hold you to that i'm gonna make you bench rookies i I mean in in reality i'm probably there's you know outside of a dynasty league i'm not even gonna have many rookies on my roster just because i'm not it's not that i don't like any of them it's that i don't like them at their adps right now because i i think almost all of them will be available week three week four week five either at a trade bargain or 
on the waiver wire because they just haven't done anything early in the season. And well, that's when I'm going to try to go you. get him. Go for it. Let me, let me, let me just to make, see if you can feel a little bit better because you know how I feel. <laughs> Obviously I, I well, no, cause I sent you the draft that did last night is for the football diehards magazine that I do every single okay. year. I, I took Clyde Edwards Hilaire at the turn with Devonte Adams. I was at the 12th pick. So I okay. took him there because I'm still still taking Clyde Edwards Hilaire there. But it, as you know, Adams, he was only the third wide receiver. Actually, Tyreek Hill went before him, which was strange to me. But in any case, nine of the first 12 picks were running backs. And that includes the fact that I took Adams. You could actually say 10 out of 12 if you flipped my picks. I could have taken Edwards Hilaire and then Adams. Either way. So sure. I say I say that, you know, we've talked about this a lot so far. And obviously I'm with you more if we get into July and training camps aren't happening in person in August and all but as of today I did see I forget which coach it was, but there was a coach who said that don't overrate too much of not being with the team. These kids, even including rookies, are smart enough and are talented enough that they're going to be on track when they come in, even if it's late. Now, he didn't say, obviously, if there's no training camp, but he said, even if it's late, you shouldn't be concerned. Does that make you feel better that a coach actually said that? Um, I, I, I think there are guys who are capable of that, who are smart enough, who are ready to, to probably make the adjustment quicker than others. As a whole, I think that is a really broad statement that there's no way I would apply that as even to the majority of rookies. There's It's just... Even in a in a perfect scenario, how many rookies become really viable in in their rookie season? It's only a handful. There's, I mean, it, it's not very often where, the, you know, you have two full rounds of rookies that are that are relevant in in fantasy in the rookie season. It just doesn't happen, and that's in a in a perfect scenario where they're getting all the reps in, at mini camps and everything. I I'm just I don't know. I'm just leery. I I that's all I'm going to say. I I am probably going to be lower on everybody and that's just the way it's going to be and, and consequently i just won't get any of them <laughs> that's fair i think running back i'm with you more on wide receivers than i am on running backs because we see the running back transitions easier i will say for you and we've talked about last year and it showed up in a few spots is if pass blocking becomes an issue or even just if you're going to be used in that way like the excitement for Keyshawn vaughn I think is one that i'd be more concerned about even though ronald jones is so poor in the pass blocking department they still have other options on that team, and like you want to see that. Like I'm not that worried about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because he wouldn't be asked to do that. Uh, I'm not so worried about Jonathan Taylor because, again, I'm with you in the fact that I do think it's a split to start the season. But the ones that aren't going to be asked to do that, like I think that's the toughest part for running backs getting into the NFL is being in pass blocking, understand the schemes, understand when you need to shift to the quarterback's weak side or the right side or which gap that you're filling. I think that's a big it's similar to tight ends like that. That's a big get there. So I'm with you. I think there's plenty of time for that to be, you know, look, we got at least two months. Hopefully everything's on track. But for now, uh, let, let's before we get some other news pieces, pick up from where we last left off. Well, last week we were doing the uh, buzz players this offseason and we had three wide receivers. Well, actually two on the same team. So four wide receivers that we didn't get to that I wanted to ask you about. And I'll give you my opinion. And first, let's go to. The Seahawks, all oh, this Brandon Funston's team out there. I want to know where you are, Brad, because I have a very strong opinion about this. I'm going to say, but it's the Tyra Lockett versus DK Metcalf talk. And I say versus because I'm setting it up to say there are people who are willing to say that DK Metcalf is going to have the better season and take him before Tyra Lockett and drafts this year. Yeah, I think people forget how good Lockett has been. Like they, it's it's, and some of it is, you know, maybe it's because he's 
you know, maybe a little inconsistent. I don't know. He was the wide receiver of 14 last year in half, half point PPR, 82 catches, over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. And it's like everybody just thinks he's washed up all of a sudden. And I, I don't get that. I'm definitely, definitely in the camp that I will take Lockett over Metcalf for sure. I like Metcalf. Um, I think he has a even bigger role on an NFL team than he does on a fantasy team. At the same time, he's going to be, I, I have no problem with people think he's going to be a wide receiver too, but, but I don't see the wide receiver one upside that some people think not this year. I think it, it's potentially there down the road. And he made a lot of strides during the season last year um, with his route running and, and even his chemistry with Russell Wilson. But Lockett has had chemistry with Russell Wilson for years and, and that's yeah. not going away. There's no doubt he's the number one target there. See, and that's where I'm at. I, that's my, I, I don't understand how people are saying DK Metcalf is eclipsing Tyler Lockett. And the, the pushback that you get, Brad, is a lot of people are saying, you talk about the chemistry. Is there, Well, Tyler Lockett's touchdown rate has always been off the charts when he's with Russell Wilson the past what, two or three years. And it's not a rate that you would see among most players and the production on this. And pro- it's like, How about just the fact that Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett are that dang good together? Like, Why are we saying, oh, well, it's all of a sudden going to regress in the fourth year of these guys together and producing these numbers when it hasn't changed? And that's just who they are. I mean, I, I, I know for the people out out there uh, they're going to be like oh you can't compare the two but I mean isn't there something to be said for Brad you play in baseball like the chemistry and the comfortableness you have like with a certain catcher or you know certain players that just they they feel more comfortable and they always know what the other person's thinking yeah a thousand percent and, and not just that but the longer you're with the guy for a quarterback receiver combination every every receiver comes out of routes differently they they are some are quicker than others some are faster than others and the longer a quarterback is with them the more he's able to anticipate what they're going to do especially when they're playing against zone defenses and and the route is such that like essentially he's he's running a certain route and then trying to find a hole within that route in the zone the longer you're with guys the longer you realize that this is what they're seeing when they go out there this is, you know, this is where he's going to break it off. And this is when I need to throw the ball to get him the ball on time. It's, it's that. And, and like I said, you saw that develop some with Russell Wilson over the course of the season last year, because he trusted DK Metcalf a whole lot more in the second half than he did in the first half, but he still trusted Tyler Lockett more than DK Metcalf and oh, as a whole on the season. And that's, that's not changing. Like if, if Tyler Lockett's healthy, there's no doubt. I, I think he finishes ahead of DK Metcalf. I completely agree with you. I also think that DK Metcalf is starting to get a little bit overdrafted at this point because of that. Like, we were talking about DK Metcalf last year was low end wide receiver three. Tyler Lockett almost hit wide receiver one again, and he's been right in that range for the past three seasons. I just, I think it's kind of like what we talked about before. It's like the Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. People just want the young guy to take over and like forgetting how good the guy in front of him is. I, I, the Julio Jones one baffles me. Did you know? I saw the stat yesterday. Somebody tweeted out Julio Jones fantasy points per game for his entire career, and he's never dropped outside the top ten for his entire career. <laughs> like, the, I mean. Uh, why are people hating on uh, Julio Jones will be another day Uh, these other two so you want to talk about chemistry we already had chemistry for this one wide receiver coming out of college with his quarterback had didn't play with them to start the season because he was with Case Keenum but putting up huge numbers in the first five games fell off Dwayne Haskins comes into quarterback struggles a lot shows some improvement over his last three games Uh, the last three games Terry McLaurin looked good again there was that chemistry and everything like that but it feels like to me, Brad, and I know you tweet with a lot of people and see a lot of people on Twitter as well. I wrote about him, uh, I think, almost like a month ago now at this point uh, as my breakout wide receiver. And the I want to say the industry is following me because it's not. Not everybody's like reading my stuff, but it's definitely starting to become one of those 
industry guys where everybody's on the bandwagon. And if there's so many people in the industry, that's going to have the ripple effect. And in the draft last night, I was surprised he didn't go earlier. I got him at the five, six turn or yeah, wait, no. Yeah, six. Yeah, five, six turn. Got him at the five, six turn. I've seen already, I've been in leagues where he's gone in the fourth round. And I think that as much as I love McLaurin, I feel like the helium is so overinflating his value that if he starts going in the fourth round, I love the kid, but I mean, you're kind of buying him at his peak and I feel like the industry is going to kill his value. Yeah, I, I agree with that. He like if if he's on your team, he needs to be your wide receiver three at best. If he's a wide receiver two for you, then your wide receivers are not good Pushing enough. It. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who your wide receiver one is because it, it's there's just not enough consistency there. You haven't seen enough. We don't know what Haskins is yet. He might be really good. He might take steps forward. But there, you know, and, and granted, uh, McLaurin was was held up a little bit by a hamstring strain. I think he hurt at week four and like basically missed the whole game, or maybe it was in practice or something. Missed the whole game, and then then he came back after that. And and yeah, he had a big game week six, but beyond that, it was there was some really mediocre weeks in there. One catch, eleven yards. Four catches, thirty nine yards. Another four catches, thirty nine yards. Three catches, sixty nine yards. Like that's not what you want out of your wide receiver too. You have to have more production than that. Yeah, he probably takes a little bit of a step forward this year, but you're you're you don't want to like you said you don't want to buy him at peak value. There's a lot of guys that I love in in the NFL and I love in fantasy, but where they're being drafted, I want no part of them. And right now, McLaurin, like I mean, right at that the top of the sixth round is about the earliest I would think about him because I want to I'm going to come out of the first five rounds with three running backs in, in every draft. There's just no way I'm I'm not doing that this year. And so the sixth round is the earliest I'm looking at a wide receiver three. And and it's, you know, a lot of times he's just not there. And, and I'm going to have to live with the fact that he's not on my team in a lot of, in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I'll take him in the fifth, uh, mostly because, so for reference point, he was the 27th wide receiver off the board. Uh, in my rankings projections, I have him at 22. He would be a wide receiver too, but... And the same to go back down to this fact again. You know, now we're talking about, you can just look at my projections, 185.8 points. Well, DK Metcalf is 131. Calvin Ridley is 182, uh, or 183, I meant to say. Um, All these guys are right there in that range where, like you said, you want to measure three. I would be okay if I got him with my two is kind of what I did and sandwiched him back-to-back with, like, Devontae Parker because technically two or three, either one of them. So I'm with you. I'd be willing to go a little bit higher. I am a little bit higher, but I feel like, again, if he starts creeping to that fourth round, there's there's no way I'm getting him either because now we're talking about return value and where is it in being in that offense. Despite the fact Dwayne Haskins looked good with him over the last three games, you're still talking about Dwayne Haskins was putting up like Tannehill numbers, like the 180, the 200, 210 maybe. So that's the last concern. I, I, let's go to Devontae Parker's teammate. So... People forgot, Brad, last year that Preston Williams, as a rookie, as somebody who would have been, uh, for everybody out there, I, I think we talked about this last year, Brad. Remind me if, I, if we didn't, or if this is new to you, just say it is. But I said that coming out of college, talent-wise, I would have put a late round two, early round three grade on Preston Williams. But the fact that he didn't play is what killed him because of the off-the-field issues. And we saw that talent last year. And that talent started to show, but Devontae Parker also had his breakout, and then Williams missed. So people seem to have forgotten that Preston Williams, if you're talking about offenses and kind of going back to something we said about like Derek Carr and Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree that one year, and the fact that Allen Robinson's target share, even with Anthony Miller late in the year, it was just when you're funneling to two people, yes, Gasicki's involved a little bit, but I feel like Preston Williams could be, if like, would it surprise you if Preston Williams had similar numbers to Terry McLaurin this year? 
Um, only in that I, I am not, I mean, he had a late, it was week nine ACL tear last year, and I don't know if he's going to be ready to start the year. That's the biggest thing for me. It, on a per game basis, it would not surprise me at all if he matched McLaurin. Um, it, it just, it's just a matter of, is he going to be on the field week one, or is he going to start the season on the pup and, and miss the first six weeks? Um, it, by all accounts, I know like modern medicine is, has made huge leaps and there's a really good chance he's back by week one, but that's, it's a, it's a it's a risky pick. The good thing about him is you don't have to take him very high. He's I mean, what's his I, I, what's his ADP right now? I mean, he's got to be like in the fifties for wide receivers, right? Uh, at least I was actually trying to find him in the draft last night because I know I, I was sitting on him and I wanted to take him like three times. He was wide receiver sixty one in the thirteenth round, and the only reason I would have taken him before that, but I already had Devontae Parker. How, I mean, the, so look at the pick before him, Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey, they say that coming out yesterday, he has no timetable for his return. He's older. Yeah, like there's, I mean, why would why would you take Alshon Jeffrey with almost no upside over Preston Williams, who could be a wide receiver too if he's healthy all year? And and the Dolphins are having, you know, there's a pretty good chance they're they're playing from behind in a lot of games. They're having to pass a lot more. He had really good chemistry last year with with uh, Fitzmagic. So yeah, I I mean at that point where he's going. Absolutely. I'm all over it because I, there's no risk there. If, if, you know, a lot of 13 rounders are dropped by week, week five, six anyways. So if, if that happens, you didn't lose anything. Um, but if he hits, you know, and man, I look at the guys that went right after him. Jalen Rager went two picks later. Rager's in, like we just said, Alshon Jeffrey's out. I mean, we know they got Deshaun Jackson back or we think they have Deshaun Jackson back, but he's older <laughs> and an injury risk. And, you know, I again, I'm not high on rookies this year, but in the 13th round, there is no risk there. Give me the upside guy all day over, or the guys like Larry Fitzgerald that went in that round, Alshon Jeffrey. Um, you know, there's there's just no upside with those guys. Did you see Fitzgerald and Adrian Peterson went back to back? Like, this is gross. <laughs> yeah, who who takes Adrian Peterson in the 13th round? That's unbelievable. <laughs> he may not make the make the roster this year. That's what I was gonna say. He's not gonna make. He's not gonna make the fantasy roster either. Uh, all right. So those are the ones we talked about. Uh, I want to circle back to something wide receiver-wise, but wide receiver-related for a different reason. And I've been wanting to talk about this for like two or three weeks now. But it's the Ram situation. So Ram, like this is one that I've discussed in some articles. Uh, I think we touched on it briefly with Chris, but we didn't really get deep into it. And I want to get your opinion as... If you look at the last four weeks, everybody knows Tyler Higby went bananas, and everybody's, oh, well, there's going to be more 12 this year. And the team themselves has even come out and said there's going to be more 12 this year. But 12 is always relative, and, well, more is relative, I should say, because what's 30% of the time? Is that more 40%? Of it's not going to be the base offense like we've heard some other. We heard the Bucks say that that was going to be their base offense. It's still not going to. Base offense for me needs to be at least 50% of the time, and it's not going to be 50% of the time even for the Bucks. So, I say all that, too. We hear the 12. We saw Higby's breakout. But the biggest concern I have is not Higby, not Everett. I don't worry about the tight ends and all that stuff. The biggest concern I have, Brad, is the fact that Cup kept coming off the field, which he never did before. Cup was always out there 93, 94, 95% of the time, and so was Robert Woods. That was the great thing about them. It was Brandon Cooks who came off the field, and then when he was hurt, it was Josh Reynolds wasn't on the field. Well, when they started doing the 12, when Higby started having his breakout— he started coming, that being Cup started coming off the field. Rod Reynolds started going out there and switching with him. And I'm concerned that because Cup is so dynamic out of the slot and still struggles at times, that I means one of the things I said about him coming out of college is that he could be 
an amazing number two for a team similar to like Randall Cobb in his peak years with the with the Packers, but don't push them outside too much. And I think the Rams are on the same page. I would still say they're smarter than me, but that snap count concerns me. And I would take Woods, and I do have Woods a full almost ten spots in front of him in my projections and rankings this year. Yeah, and I that's it's mind blowing to me that Cup's consistently going in the third round and Woods is consistently going in the fourth. When I, I'm like you, he's Woods is going to be a higher rank for me. Um, I, he's just more consistent. He's 27. He doesn't have, hadn't had the injury history that cup has cup had the ACL a couple years ago that, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I, now I will say I like cup. It's not that I don't like cup, but I don't like cup more than woods. And I don't like cup in the third round. I don't want him as my, you know, potential wide receiver one after, after taking, you know, two running backs in the first two rounds or a wide receiver two before ahead of an RB two. I just, I just don't get that price tag on him. I, there's no way I'm taking him that high. Um, but I think Woods in the fourth is one of the best values you can get right now in ADP because uh, like you said, he, he should be higher than cup in my opinion. Yeah. hundred percent. Like the ones that went behind cup that I would take every uh, 10 out of 10 times, Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen. Uh, I'd still take Mike Evans, Woods, obviously Keenan out. You know what? I wasn't going to bring him up Re- real quickly. Where are you on Keenan Allen? I feel like he's the reverse of everything we've been talking so far, getting way too much hate because everybody's so worried about Tyrod Taylor, who Tyrod Taylor, speaking of Robert Woods, went healthy, was doing fine of making Sammy Watkins into a borderline wide receiver. Like, why is everybody just running for the hills with Keenan Allen? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, in wide receiver or in the fourth round, it was, what is he, wide receiver 18 wide receiver in that draft? 18? I, yeah, I, that's... There's no reason, like, I would rather have him over Amari Cooper, who went four picks earlier and is wide receiver 16. Um, but yeah, like, give me Keenan Allen. I'd honestly probably take Keenan Allen over over even Adam Thielen, um, because I don't know what Thielen's going to op- do as a wide receiver one. I like Thielen as a player. I just don't know what he's going to do without a, a massive threat on the other side. And we don't know that Justin Jefferson is that guy yet. It's definitely not going to be Tajay Sharp or BC Johnson. Th- those guys aren't <laughs> occupying a number one cornerback. So, so yeah, like give me Keenan Allen. He's proven year after year. He can get open. It's not like his injuries that he had before were not, they were kind of more like fluky injuries. He had like a ruptured spleen one year. Like that's not, doesn't make you injury prone. He's been on the field the majority of the time, the last couple of years. Yeah. Like the, if anything, Tyrod Taylor is going to need a, a safety blanket, a guy that he can consistently go to while he's getting acclimated to being back out on the field on a regular basis. Keenan Allen is the perfect guy for that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I really don't understand it. Uh, I guess uh, I, I, we can stick with the Chargers because I have one more person to talk about, but I want to go back to the Rams. So we're doing both. We're going to bounce back and forth. Real quick, back to the Rams. When you saw the report, I'm sure you saw it at this point because this is why I want to talk about it for a few weeks now because I think it's been two or three weeks since it was said. But Sean McVay and the Rams said they have, quote, three talented backs. There's been a lot of talk at the draft that Cam Akers was going to take control and Daryl Henderson was going to be the pass catcher, change of pace, which is what we all expected. But that three talented running backs kind of gives you the feeling of maybe like the Colts where Malcolm Brown's still going to be involved. You have the rookie coming in. As you mentioned you're, you're definitely on the concern side when it comes to rookies. So, do you think we're facing a full-blown committee for maybe the entire year with the Rams, and now this is just a backfield to stay away from, to, despite how intriguing the offense might be? Uh, no, I, I don't think it's going to end up being a committee. I don't think Daryl Henderson's going to see the field. Daryl Henderson's going to see the field very much. I, I think this is Cam Akers' backfield. Oh, He's yeah. actually uh, uh, among the among the rookie running backs 
for 2020, I think there's a really good chance he finishes as the RB1 because I, I do think his opportunity right now, they don't spend a second round pick on a guy if they don't like him. And, and they're at the same time, they're, I mean, Malcolm Brown doesn't scare anybody. They can say, you know, even when he says we have three talented backs, you talked about relativity before talent, talent is relative. Like, they're talented compared to who compared to high schoolers. Okay. Well, sure. But compared to other NFL running backs, I don't, I don't buy it. They, I think they were really scared last year with what they saw out of Darrell Henderson. And that's why they had to go and get a running back early in this draft. Yeah, I, I I'm with you, but I I'm more on Darrell Henderson side. I still think he's extremely talented. I just think they need to use him in the Austin Eckler type of role where, Hey, you know, maybe it's 55, 45, a really close split. But that's where his value comes in. Uh, so I'm, I'm. This is one where we finally disagree a good amount, which is crazy because that's normally what we do. Brad. Yeah, <laughs> usually we there. aren't even close. <laughs> <laughs> We're <laughs> close. Uh, so I am a Henderson guy, but I still think Cam Akers is going to be the lead. Like I said, that's actually what I referenced when that came out of the draft. Is the, that was the comparison I made? I said Cam Akers like Melvin Gordon and Daryl Henderson like Austin Eckler, which you could see the value. My bigger concern is that. The three talented backs, coach speak, maybe, but if Malcolm Brown is involved because they did use him sparingly, but you know, at times he looked good, at times he actually didn't. He wasn't great, everybody out there, every single time he touched the ball. Uh, I do concern, I do have a little bit of concern that all three might be involved, but uh, I, I, hey, that's weird. I'm more concerned about the rookie and you're not this time. It's all over the place. All right, <laughs> so how about this backfield? Let's go back to the Chargers and let's talk about that. The report on Justin Jackson was like actually the report was quiet uh you know how I felt coming out of the draft I said Joshua Kelly could be a thing people are overlooking the fact that he can be Melvin Gordon he can be if on the right team I believe Kelly had three down talent so when they drafted him they go back to Austin Eckler I said Austin Eckler will be the lead but Joshua Kelly will be strongly involved and a lot of people oh Justin Jackson did you not watch Justin Jackson did you not see him like you know like I've never seen Justin Jackson before yes I know he averaged (laughs) six point whatever yards per kid I know what Justin Jackson is and that's why I still said Joshua Kelly would be involved because I like Joshua Kelly more than Justin Jackson. Were you on Jackson? And then did the report of the quote won't have a long leash this year change your opinion, or were you never on him? Kind of more like I was. I, I'm not on him to begin with. He's he is six foot, 193 pounds. That's like the worst BMI in history. Um, <laughs> I, I, I and and literally, if you look at playerprofiler.com, it shows him in the zero percentile in BMI. And I I didn't realize that whenever I said it. But six foot, 193 is just. I mean, that is so skinny for a six foot tall football player. I there like at best, he is a pass catching running back. At best, he will never ever be a, a a primary back. Whereas Joshua Kelly has that size. He's five eleven, two twelve. That's way better. A guy who can take a whole lot more punishment. I think there's a really good chance that that Justin Jackson is just the third down guy at best, or maybe the, maybe the uh, two minute drill guy, where he's going to end up in like the poor man's Tariq Cohen role. But he's not he's not athletic enough to compare him to Tariq Cohen. It's just there there's just not going to be a lot of opportunities for him because Austin Eckler can be a three down guy. He he's he's definitely a good pass catcher. We've seen that. The only question for him is durability. Well, if he goes down with an injury, there's no way you're putting a six foot, 193 pound running back in there as your every down back. Joshua Kelly, that is his best opportunity to me. I was what I was more shocked to see is when they say he doesn't have a long leash. As if he's, it's like already known that he's the backup. I don't, I just don't see him as the backup. He's, I see him as the third down running back and that's all he's ever going to be. 
Yeah, I'm with you as well on that, obviously. I actually kind of thought that Justin Jackson's job, not necessarily, in, like they're not going to cut him, but in troubles and lucky to see two, three, four touches a week. Smelling good is important, and thanks to Hawthorne, smelling good is easier than ever. It's time to move on from that old bottle of cologne and to start taking care of your hair and skin. Here's how it works. Just take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the products that are best for you, including two colognes, one for work and one for play, along with a full complement of shampoo, conditioner, body wash, deodorant, and lotions that smell great and are free of sulfate, silicone, and aluminum. All of Hawthorne's products are cruelty-free as well. You can even take the quiz for someone else if you're looking to purchase products as a gift. Hawthorne is totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com, hawthorne.co, and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co, and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne. How about some other news? This one I found intriguing, but I feel like we do this every single year, Brad. You tell me. I think you feel the same. Like there's always reports of like, oh, Jameis Winston had an injury and then he needed eye surgery, and this player was doing this and this player, and then and now the reports are, oh, Al Camaro was playing injured the entire year last year. He was dealing with this, this, and this, and yet you know doesn't come up, doesn't get mentioned, didn't even have a hint of it during the season, but now all of a sudden this. Do you hear stuff and kind of scoff at that, especially because you're the player side of thing? You've been on the field and like, isn't everybody playing through injuries all the time, let alone in the NFL? Um, to a point, but Alvin Kamara, I feel like is a little, a little bit different because he had a high ankle sprain, and that that is something that we have seen. Like, it can knock guys out for a lot of weeks, and when they come back, Saquon Barkley, look at him. And granted, there's different degrees of it, but he missed several weeks, and then when he came back, it took him a few weeks to even get back to where he was before that. And Kamara missed one game, and and so for him to play through that, I do think there is something to to the possibility that that he was definitely not 100%. And you can almost see it in his game log. Like it, he was he was pretty good before that, and then after that it seemed like he was pretty touchdown dependent, and last year wasn't a good touchdown year for him. He wasn't near as efficient as he had been in the first two years of his career. It would have been a lot tougher, um, a lot tougher to justify, to justify – you know, if he had had big time production late in the year or whatever, and then say, oh, by the way, he was hurt. Like, I, I do think now the back thing was something I hadn't heard before. Um, and that's the kind of stuff to me that, you know, like when he says that it, it you kind of come out like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe so. But it's weird that they didn't say anything, um, you know, but from this standpoint, the one that caught me off guard. And this is a guy that I, I don't like to begin with. And I, I don't same position, but different team. But it came out that Sony Michelle had foot surgery recently. And mm. and it's like no one had any idea he was dealing with anything at any point last year and all and all of a sudden you know we just thought he sucked and i still am not sure that he doesn't suck but but for a guy to have surgery and then you you don't even find out like when he's having it or before he's having it you find out like months after he already had it it's just like man they like they have the media on lockdown in new england to only let out what they want people to know so that they don't get fined for for not reporting stuff yeah, I, I said one of my super deep sleepers was Damian Harris, and I was actually annoyed that the report came out because then everybody was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I remember that guy that everybody was so high on last year and was supposed to be a threat to his job but then had his own injuries, and then at that point it was too late the season started and he wasn't getting on the field. I mean, there was a lot of game day inactives. But, yeah, it, it's I'm going to go back to this. Emory Hunt pointed this out when Sonny Michelle came out of college, and this is why I call him one of the best, if not the best scout in the game. 
told me, he's like, watch him again. He's going to continue to have knee. He said knee, obviously. I would, I, Or maybe he said leg, because maybe that would include the foot and give him credit for that. But in any case, he said, watch how he runs and watch how hard he plants his foot. Just running. It's not like making cuts. It's just he stomps into the ground. And he goes, he's going to have issues for the entire career after what we already saw in college. And he, was, he called this 100% right. And it's not even just the healthy, but like you said, is you know, was Sonny Michelle really hurt the entire season because he didn't look very good last year? So, I mean, throw a flyer on Damian Harris, but then you're still dealing with the Patriots' backfield, and I mean, that offense might just be a mess anyway because it's Jared Stidham, Julian Edelman, and a thousand question marks. But how about this one? Speaking of running, there's a lot of running backs today. One of the questions I got immediately, Brad, was the Brandon Brooks injury, not because of himself, but because he was the number one rated guard in all of football last year on PFF, tore his ACL. He's out for the entire season. So they're filling in with kind of replacement journeymen among the line. Maybe they find somebody that got cut or is sitting out there in free agency that they can help to get some depth, but it's not going to be what Brooks' level is. Does that concern you with Miles Sanders? Because my answer, Brad, was maybe this breaks a tie for me. Like if I'm on the draft board and I'm sitting there like, ooh, Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders – well, they both have similar touch concerns, so I'll take Eckler because I know what Eckler is and I know what that offensive line is. But does this change your opinion on Miles Sanders at all, knowing that they just lost arguably the number one guard in the NFL? Um, at this point, if I had to draft right now, yeah, it, it would knock him down a little bit for me, but I want to see what they do. There are still a couple offensive linemen out there that, that can they could potentially bring in and, and at least be an adequate fill-in and, and not – you know, not make it to where they just have a giant hole there. Um, and so I, I will be um, anxious to see kind of how they address it. And fortunately, I don't have any drafts now for about five more weeks. Um, and those are dynasty rookie drafts. So, so <laughs> I'm, not, do? I'm not doing any more season. I'm not doing any more. Yeah, I know. I might have to jump in some best balls or something. Just You're usually like time, five but. a day, let alone five. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do almost all of my best balls prior to the NFL draft because I feel like I'm, I'm ready – a lot earlier than a lot of other people from that standpoint. And once the draft hits, everybody else becomes a lot more educated and it, it becomes a lot tougher to, to get some of the guys later that I want to get. And so that being said, I, I do, um, I do like Miles Sanders. I, I mean, he went in your draft last night as the RB nine, right at the end of the first round. That's first still round. a little high for me. Yeah. There's, I would rather, I would be a lot more comfortable taking him as my RB two. And, and if I'm going like RB, RB to start and, um, but when Josh Jacobs is RB 14 in the middle of the second round, um, yeah, I would, Oh gosh, I would, I honestly probably would take Drake or Josh Jacobs over there over Miles Sanders right now. I would definitely take Aaron Jones over Miles Sanders. Um, just because I, I know I have a lot more feeling of what I'm going to get from those guys because there's not, yeah, the injury risk of the of the offensive lineman, but also you just get this feeling that the the Eagles are not done at running back yet because are they really going to go into the season with Corey Clement and Boston Scott as the only backups to him? That's not typically their style, and and usually it wouldn't surprise me if they if they brought in a Devontae Freeman type player, and even if even if Freeman is not as good as he once was, it instantly takes touches away, and that's what that what makes me a little more nervous. And um, that that at some point they're going to do something, you know, in regards in regards to addressing the running back position. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they added one more. I mean, we had the Carlos Hyde rumors. Uh, I do think that I took Boston Scott. Speaking of him, uh, at the 11-12 turn, and this is the full point PPR. 
I actually think he's still going to be heavily involved. I think more similar to actually what Carlos Hyde said about his situation now. He knows he's coming at the backup. I'm kind of with you as like whoever it might be if they do bring somebody in. Uh, the, uh, what's his face is still sitting out there. Um, Lamar Miller is still. I mean, I don't know if he's got yeah, sure. left, but but I think that whoever they bring in will be kind of like similar to that role. Uh, but it is Doug Peterson, and it is Doug Peterson. And like, hey, maybe, even if Miles Sanders is the bell cow, is it the typical bell cow you see on most teams? Is it just bell cow because he's finally touching the ball 60% of the time in a Doug Peterson offense? So I'm with you. I, I have Miles Sanders as a fringe RB1 in my rankings. I would take Drake. I would take Jacobs. I would obviously take Edwards Hilaire. The only one I wouldn't take that you mentioned is I, I'm down on Aaron Jones, mostly because of the touchdowns, and I think that A.J. Dillon is a huge concern, but we'll save that for another day. There's another one that I'm getting. D.J. Moore and and uh, Aaron Jones, those are the big pushbacks so far. But the last one I want to talk about was David Montgomery uh, because there's a lot of people out there. Similar, hey, you know what? Similar to the Eagles right now, there's only two. Uh, there's a lot of people saying, well, you know what? When you know that there's zero depth behind them, it's just David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. He's going to get the touches. He's going to get all the work. Uh, without looking, do you remember not where he finished on total points? Because I want to include guys that played nine games like Jordan Howard, eight games like Boston Scott, five games like Darius Geis. So at least four games or more. Do you know where David Montgomery finished in points per game, Brad, not overall? Oh, uh, 15 maybe? 34. Oh, 34. Okay, well, I thought I was guessing solely based on how you set that up. So yeah, oh, so I, I set it up the opposite way. He finished <laughs> you he were. was 25 overall, he was 34 in fantasy points per game. He didn't even, was it 3.7 yards per carry last year? That PFF broken tackles. We saw, like, again, don't overrate one stat. It was a miserable season. But yet, people are apologizing for, hey, he was a rookie. Maybe he can be better. Again, he's going to get so many touches. I think in this draft, show that at least in a quote unquote industry draft, RB27, is that at least we weren't buying into it. Are you buying into David Montgomery? I don't want to call it rebound because you can't rebound. Uh, maybe breaking out over a disappointing rookie campaign. Um, no, I, there's no way I'm buying into that. And, and it's funny because I think some of this started with Mike Tagliere and I love Mike. He, I'm in a couple leagues with him and, and he's a good guy, but Mike Tagliere well, you know is also located, a Bears right? fan. Uh, he is go. a Bears yeah. fan. Yes. So last year, just, just for reference in one of these leagues, a single QB league, when he had David Montgomery on his team, I had Mike Davis. And at that time, everybody thought Mike Davis was the backup running back in Chicago. I traded him Mitch Trubisky and Mike Davis for what ended up being the 2.1 and 2.2 picks in the draft um, th- this year. I would, like, in a single QB league, there's no way Trubisky's worth a second. From that standpoint, I wouldn't even say Mike Davis is worth a second, but he wanted Bears. He is like, he, like he's all into the Bears, like, truly believed in them. And I, like... To this day, like I, I feel like when he says anything about Chicago, I, I have to take it with a grain of salt <laughs> because he's the one to me that I saw started this stuff about Montgomery might get over 240 carries or he's a lock for 240 carries. I, I don't. Number one, I don't think the Bears are that good, and number two, I don't see him being good enough to handle that. You know, not that he can't handle the workload; he's built handle to handle the workload. I still think he's good enough to be on the field that much. I think we're going to see a lot more Tariq Cohen. It wouldn't surprise me if they brought in another running back like a Lamar Miller or a Devontae Freeman because they, who's their other backups, Ryan Nall or Tavis Pierce. No, thanks. Like they're, those guys are not going to see the field. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I think what ends up happening is Tariq Cohen is on the field a whole lot more. If this is the running backs they go into the season with, he's on the field a whole lot more than just third downs because if they want to have any shot at being good, they're not going to give the ball to David Montgomery 240 times. 
No, and actually, I actually have him for about 243 touches and from 220 carries. So 897 rushing yards, kind of similar to last year, six and a half touchdowns. And to speak of coach speak, is coach speak about a player? Is, players, is it player speak if he's doing it about himself? Tariq Cohen said he's <laughs> been working this offseason to make sure he's stronger to help handle the NFL pounding, basically. I, I'm paraphrasing. But, yeah, so there's talk about. Said he's doing yoga, right? Like he's doing yoga to to take care of his body more because he did a bad job of it last year. Yeah. So like, I'm with you actually that David Montgomery check-in comes in at 28 in my rankings. Uh, so I'll throw this out real quick before we get out of here. He's sandwiched in my rankings between uh, timeshare potential guys, Cam Akers and Kareem Hunt. Would you take Montgomery over both of them? Um, I would, no, neither one. I don't think. <laughs> Really? Um, I, I would, I would, there's, there's acres is the question mark for me because again, I'm not sure about the rookie thing. I just think he's got a good opportunity there. There's, I'm taking Kareem Hunt over, over Montgomery for sure. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt, even in the second half last year when he was stepping into a new team that with, with no experience, six of the last eight weeks of the season, he scored more fantasy points than Nick Chubb. And so it, now that he's got a full season, uh, assuming, you know, he's not suspended for the, the, the DUI or the marijuana possession incident for this offseason. I don't know if what's going to come from that, but but if if he's not suspended and he's playing a full season, yeah, give me Kareem Hunt over over Dave Montgomery all day, all day. All right. Well, then here, last one. This is like more of a tidbit thing that I noticed in the draft last night. The forty fourth running back off the board. I took at the nine ten turn, and this is full PPR on top of it. I would still probably do the same in half point PPR because. For for reference, everybody out there, because it's a again quote unquote industry league. I get Darren Waller and Deshaun Watson at the seven eight turn because it's an industry league, and we wait on quarterbacks and tight end. I don't understand why Waller made it that far, but I would have thought about taking Lindsey at that point as well. Are we really just throwing Lindsey away into the trash this much because of Melvin Gordon? Like I I get Melvin Gordon's there now, Brad, but. A 44th running back off the board? Like, it's not like Phil Lindsay's just going to be getting five touches a game. I really don't understand where the industry is because this isn't the first time I've seen him there. I've seen him going around 40 in a lot of drafts so far, and I, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't get it. No, I, I don't get it either. And I actually just did a 16-team dynasty startup. 16-team. I've never done a 16-team league before. I took Philip Lindsay at the 12-5, 181st pick wow. off the board. And it's like, it's mind blowing to me. This is a guy who's back to back thousand yard rushing seasons. Yes, they brought in Melvin Gordon, but all that does is put Lindsay into the role that he's probably designed for, anyways. He's a smaller back. He's probably not going to be the every. Yeah, he's probably not going to be the every down back, but he's also proven he can be the every down back. So if Gordon gets hurt, if Gordon struggles, Lindsay's going to be on the field because he can do everything. He can pass catch, he can pass block, he can run up the, in between the tackles if he needs to. Yeah, like I, I don't get it. I don't get. Why, why everybody's off of him. And this is me coming as a Chiefs fan in the AFC West. I have Lindsey in almost every draft I've done so far because he's going so late. I don't, I just don't get it. I, I think there's, and he's still young. I mean, it's his third year in the league. It's not like he's 27 and, and about to, you know, crest the, the running back hump. It's, it just doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me why everybody is off of him. It, it reminds me, and it, it granted a lot higher up in in the draft. But I don't understand why everybody's off Chris Carson. 
and and why he's yeah. not it, it, there's like Rashad Penny's not going to be there to start the year. Carlos Hyde is not a threat to steal touches. I, I guess it's a health thing, but with Lindsay, you don't even have the health issue. It just it doesn't make any sense to me for either of those guys where they're going, why they're going so late. I got both of them in that draft. I took. I'm trying to see where I took Chris Carson here. Um, I took. I, I took both of them a, too. I got him at the, six, at the three four turn. I got Chris Carson at the six one in a dynasty startup. What? Six one, like it's, it's yeah, it's well, and granted, factor, it's super flex. Factors, like, Dynast, yeah, Dennis dynasty factored in a little bit. Yeah, but he, third third year running back and. And has done nothing but produce. The only concern with Carson to me, I'm not worried about his hip. Everybody says that's on track. I'm a little more worried about the fumble thing. Like, that's the only thing. If he can hang on to the ball, there's no way he's not an RB1 this year. There's no way. Yeah. You know, Tiki Barber couldn't hold on to the football either and had three of the best seasons in NFL (laughs) history at running. You know who else couldn't hold on to the football in the beginning of their career? Actually, for quite a few years. Adrian freaking Peterson, everybody. Go look that up. Like, Adrian Peterson had fumbling issues. So it's not always the death nail that you think it might be. But in any case. 37 years later, he's still playing. I know. He's still somehow going. <laughs> RB60 off the board, in case you guys are wondering where his traffic was. Uh, before, I was wanting Anthony McFarlane because I drafted James Conner. went one pick before I did. I was That was the only one. I was surprisingly happy and thrilled with my entire draft until freaking Anthony McFarlane went RB61 in front of and I had to take Darrington Evans. But in any case, because this guy got James Conner. James Conner, I want to say for next week, we'll talk about him. Uh, Brad, anything else before we get out of here? Or you just want me to pimp you on Twitter? No, pimp me all you want. <laughs> At Brad Ziegler, uh, he'll be happy to debate everything Chiefs 100% of the time and then anything else football as well. I'll so debate some him. Major League Baseball stuff with you too because oh, I, yeah. I'm still fired up about that. So, yeah, hit me with anything you got. I'll fire back at you. Uh, I've still, yeah, I've, I've still been doing my occasional. This is, uh, what did I say? Oh, yeah, the utmost and assholery the other day of the owners, uh, just for everybody out there. So if you want Brad or I to get involved with that, we will talk that as well. I'm at Olin Kid. Go check out the draft kit. It's out live now. Uh, heads up, if you head to the bottom of most of those articles, I think almost all of them, but it's not a guarantee. Just make sure you look for it. 30 free days, or if you don't choose that, you get 50% off your first year, which that's not going to last long. So I would go take advantage of that now. So go check out the football draft kit and enjoy it. And we'll catch you guys next Wednesday. Have a good one.